All right, turn in your Bibles, if you would, to the the book of Psalms, Psalm 92, Psalm 92. We're going to take a a slight break from John today. We'll be back in the book of John um, until the Sunday before Christmas. So we're still in it, but um, we're just breaking away just for a week. Hey, while you find uh, Psalm 92, let me remind you, uh, I told you a few, uh, I think a couple months ago, uh, don't say the book of Revelations it's not revelations, it's revelation. You can always tell a rookie uh, junior high uh, Bible teacher when they say, turn to revelations. They don't know, if, they're, if they're not careful about that, I would take everything else they say with a, you know, a little bit of uh, uh, hesitation. It's the book of Revelation. But the other thing you might not know is, it is the book of Psalms, but we are in Psalm 92. You would never say Psalms 92. Just like you would, if I, if I had a box of pencils... I have a box of pencils. In the box of pencils is a pencil. It's pencil number 92. I wouldn't say pencils number 92. I would say pencil number 92. So we're in the book of Psalms, but we're in Psalm 92, just FYI. So here we are. This is God's word. That was just your bonus. Um, Psalm 92, starting at the top. A psalm, a song for the Sabbath. It is good to give thanks to the Lord to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness by night to the music of the lute and the harp, to the melody of the lyre. For you, O Lord, have made me glad by your work. At the works of your hands, I sing for joy. How great are your works, O Lord. Your thoughts are very deep. The stupid man cannot know. The fool cannot understand this. That though the wicked sprout like grass and all evildoers flourish, they are doomed to destruction forever. But you, O Lord, are on high forever. For behold, your enemies, O Lord, for behold, your enemies shall perish. All evildoers shall be scattered. But you have exalted my horn like that of the wild ox. You have poured over me fresh oil. My eyes have seen the downfall of my enemies. My ears have heard the doom of my evil assailants. The righteous flourish like the palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. They still bear fruit in old age. They are ever full of sap and green to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. Pray one more time. Father, may the truth be spoken and received here today in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I've got uh, a number of guitars, and the reason you have a number of guitars is they all sound a little bit different, and uh, you kind of blow through strings. I know most people are like, well, I changed my strings back in, you know, 97. Uh, I changed my strings every three weeks. Uh, so as, uh, as I have, I basically have three rehearsals, three performances, and then I change the strings uh, because you don't want them breaking and they sound, the instrument sounds better. But so I've got different guitars and, you know, if you're if like if I'm playing on one thing and then I'm on the other side of the stage for something else, it's a different setup. You want it to be stable. It's just a more professional operation. So that's why I have a number of guitars. All to say, um, I acquired a guitar a few years ago. It was kind of like my, my B guitar, kind of a backup thing. And uh I, I, I had this crazy idea that I was going to take the pick guard off. 
And uh, it's kind of a trend. It was kind of a trend that uh, they were making guitars without a pickguard, or they put a clear, clear pickguard on there. And it was kind of just like a hipster thing to do. And I was like, man, I'm going to take the pickguard off. And so I got online, I got on YouTube, and found out that you could do it with a blow dryer. So uh, when my wife went to bed, <clears throat> I had it on the kitchen table, and I had it all out, and I had the blow dryer, I had a plastic spatula, just like I saw in the YouTube tutorial, and I'm taking the thing off, and indeed, success. Now, it's, it's, it's you know, curled up like a potato chip when you're done, and you can't use it again, uh, but I get that pick guard off, and then you goog on it, and you can get the adhesive off and all that stuff, and I was like, man, look at me, I took a pick guard off a guitar, and I look at it, tan lines. Because uh, uh, nitrous, uh, what is, nitrocellulose, there's this finish they put on guitars that kind of yellows when light hits it, and I had tan lines. I'm like, great. Uh, the, that particular guitar manufacturer is very uh, guarding of their pick guards. They don't sell secondary market stuff ever. And I'm like, fantastic. Now I got this problem. My wife is asleep. Anyway, um, I got on Amazon, and I bought some pick guard material, and I made a pick guard. And uh, I hand sanded that thing. I mean, I literally, I sanded it every day for two weeks. It was just micro finishing. It had to fit exactly the tan line, exactly the tan line. And when you finally finish it and you got it all ready to go, there's this, you can't just, you know, there's adhesive. You can't just set it on there. Once you set it on there, you might have to blow dry it off again, you know. So it's, it's just impossible to get exact on there. So you kind of use blue painter's tape and you make this hinge and uh, you let it kind of fall, you practice, you practice, you practice, you take the adhesive off, and you just go, okay, here we go, boom, and thup, and it falls exactly in place. Anyway, success, success. Um, I play that guitar regularly, and I have a pick card that's exactly, I mean exactly where the light part is, and I have covered it successfully. All to say, with all that talking, um, why were you made? Why? Why, were, why did God fling the universe into place, and why did God make you specifically? The answer is our big idea here, which is this. Uh, the joyful contemplation of God is why you were made. I mean, that pick guard was made so that it would fall precisely in the right spot. I mean, there was a maker. The maker had an intent, and it was that it would fall exactly in the spot that I wanted it. Why were you made? The joyful contemplation of God. That's the exact thing for which you were made. Uh, yes, to enjoy life. Yes, to do all these other things. Yes, to procreate. But uh, the, 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 if you had to boil it all down, the, the, the reason you were made, um, the reason uh, you're searching for meaning in life, the reason you're searching for um, meaning in work, meaning in parenting, uh, meaning in religion, the, the things that you're searching for is, is the contemplation of God, uh, the joyful contemplation of who he is, all right? So um, before we get to our first point, we're in the Psalms, and we're in Psalm 92. You see it says, a psalm, a song for the Sabbath. Uh, the little tiny, teeny, tiny, funky print, what I just read there, a psalm, a song for the Sabbath, that really is the scriptures. That really is God's inspired, inerrant word, the superscription. Um, before that, in most of your Bibles, you'll have some thick print, like mine is an ESV, and it says, how great are your works? That is a publisher's note, all right? So that's the Bible printer going, oh, this will be helpful uh, to, to kind of let you know what this psalm is about if you're flipping through. That's a publisher's note. But the tiny little funky um, 
superscription there, that really is the Bible, um, a psalm, a song for the Sabbath. And uh, whenever you see that, um, sometimes it's hard to understand. Sometimes it'll have some strange Hebrew musical word in there, a maskil or something that, uh, is, that, that nobody really is sure about. Um, but, but here is, it's, it's very clear. It's a song for the Sabbath. And um, that, um, that kind of sets us up for what uh, we're supposed to, to take to the psalm. Um, because it's a song for the Sabbath, uh, it has our rest in mind, doesn't it? The Sabbath. Uh, because it's a song for the Sabbath, it has our worshiping God in mind. Um, it also has um, uh, this idea that songs are part of the Sabbath, right? Uh, gee, what should we do on the Sabbath? Well, it says this is a song for the Sabbath. So apparently songs on the Sabbath and singing on the Sabbath and a recitation of who God is and what he has done on the Sabbath is uh, not only um, legitimate but uh, required. It's a song for the Sabbath. Um, it also, ladies and gentlemen, has the gathered saints in mind, does it not? I mean, if it's a Sabbath and it's a song, it says it's good to give thanks, to sing praises to the God most high, and so on. Um, it, it has gathered worship in mind. And uh, I'll tell you, this is from, um, don't turn, but this is from Leviticus 23. Uh, this is about the Sabbath. Uh, For six days shall work be done, but on the seventh day it's a Sabbath of solemn rest, a holy convocation. Isn't that interesting? It's a Sabbath rest, and it's a holy convocation. That means an assembly. On the Sabbath, there's an assembly. People gather. It's not that people became Christians and they thought, oh, you know what? It'd be great if we just kind of like got together once a week and kind of had a Bible study and maybe sang some songs or whatever. Uh, Wouldn't that be a great idea if we came up with a little thing called church? No, 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 no. On the seventh day, it's a Sabbath. It's a day of solemn rest, a holy convocation. So it's a day of rest, but it is a day of gathering where the holy ones come and gather and do things in a formal assembly. Uh, There's one more thing that we need to consider about this particular psalm. Um, It's... um, not just the Sabbath, but it, there's an occasion for the Sabbath. Uh, if you look at uh, verse 11 of our passage, it says, uh, My eyes have seen the downfall of my enemies. My ears have heard the doom of my evil assailants. So there's been some kind of deliverance, and so it's a psalm of victory. In fact, it talks about God and defeating his own uh, enemies and God having victory. Um, but it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a song for a, something special that happens. So it's a Sabbath song, but it's also a psalm following a victory. And so this is a celebratory psalm. It's a, it's a victorious, happy sound. Um, and that takes us to our first point, which is this. Thanking, praising, declaring, singing. Uh, verse 1, it says this. It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High. Now, um, that line, it is good to give thanks to the Lord. Uh, That's a a thing to live by right away, isn't it? I mean, uh, how should we we wake up in the morning? What would be a great way to wake up in the morning and go, you know what? It is good to give thanks to the Lord. All right? It would do well um, for us, though, to ask what it means that it's good. It's good to give thanks to the Lord. 
But what is good? I mean, huh? Right? Yeah. Uh, but, the, yeah. but by whose opinion is the point? By whose opinion? Um, you know, I'm a worship leader, and uh, there's a lot of different worship styles. People like to talk about worship styles, dialogue about worship styles, give advice about worship styles. Um, how about this? How about frequency of gathered worship? I mean, we meet on Sundays and Wednesdays. Uh, back when I was growing up, we met on Sunday mornings, Sunday night and Wednesdays. There are churches now that meet on Sunday mornings and no other time. Uh, and uh, so there's no Wednesday night. They might have a little special thing in the summer, but no Sunday nights. And then there were small groups. It was kind of a trend. And um, so what is good? What is right? How are we supposed to do this thing? And then there are other harder issues. Like, um, what are the scriptures? How do we interpret the scriptures? What is good? When we assemble, when there's a convocation, what are we supposed to do? I mean, who decides what is good? What constitutes that? Well, let me show you a couple things here. Um, this is um, from Ben Franklin. And uh, this, is, this is, I'm covered in wires here. Hang on a second. Um, I'm sitting on wires. Here we go. Ben, ben Franklin, what happened? There we go. Ben Franklin, uh, have, you, have you seen this before? He would wake up in the morning and he would say on the left, what good shall I do this day? Um, and then at the end of the night, he would say, what good have I done today? Uh, have you ever seen that before? Really? Uh, that's, that's a very hipster thing right now. Um, but let me tell you, there's nothing wrong with that. And you, you look on the right-hand side, he, he, he gets up, he rinses, he washes, um, he addresses powerful goodness. I, he, he, I don't think he was a born-again believer, but he had some higher power thought. Um, and then blah, 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 work, read, dine, blah, blah, go to bed. But there's, that's, that's a healthy thing, wouldn't you say? You wake up in the morning and go, what, should, what good shall I do today? And at the end of the day, oh, what, good, what, what good shall I done? Good thing, good thing. How about this? Be kind. For every man is fighting a hard battle. Yeah, that's good advice, isn't it? You know, you get aggravated at the person in front of you in the checkout line, or you get a little road rage cooking, and uh, but you know what? Be kind. Every person is battling a hard battle. Are you battling a hard battle? Yeah, I know you are. We're all battling a hard battle. That is not bad advice, ladies and gentlemen. But my point is this, uh, as Brent Wilkins and I have discussed, this has been turned into a religion. Be a good guy. And be kind has been turned into religion. Uh, that is the that is the the the, the non Christian fallen view. You know what? Just kind of and the, and the idea is it's 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 not like we would look at that and say be kind. Every man is yeah yeah boy. There's a gospel there's a gospel centricity to that thought. You know we want to be kind because we have the words of life. You know we got the cure to cancer. We want to give it to the people who are going through that hard battle. We want to help them and love them and give them eternal hope. But folks, if it's just reduced to that, then it's just do-goodism and do-goodism. And where our culture is right now with these two items is that they feel like we're, if we just, if everybody just does a little bit of good and chips away at it and chips away at it and chips away at it, then we'll finally get to a place where everything is good and all the evil in the world disappears and it's, you know, the humans have solved the problems. It's like traffic in Chicago or any major city. I mean, the reason it's so aggressive in Chicago, uh, the, the reason if the light turns and you have, and, you, and you, you've, you've blinked, and you get eight honks on the horn. 
not just doot, doot, ooh, it's Germantown. You've been here five minutes. This is the third light you've missed. Boop, boop, don't offend. It's eh, because they know if all the traffic just pushes all day long, it's better off like in the machinery. You know what I mean? If everybody's faster and pays attention all day long, uh, the traffic is better. But that's how people view um, being good, all right? So the, the question is, for, for, for we Christians, what is good? If it says it's good to give thanks to the Lord, what is good? And furthermore, why be kind? Why do that? Well, here's an answer, the answer. True worship. If you want to live life and you want to flop into place right where God wants you, true worship must be objectified. Verse 1, it is good to give thanks to the Lord. It is good to sing praises to your name. Almost high. There's supposed to be something staggering about that. Um, you, you know, uh, folks, we're in the fellowship hall, and um, uh, that door right there, I don't know if you know this or not, but Dr. Young's office is right there. And then the main office is right there, my office is right there, the staff mailboxes are right there, Brent Wilkins' office is right there. And that door right there, there's some steps that go down. That door is used all week long. The staff... All week long is in and out of that door. All week long. One of the biggest mistakes we ever made in this room is not putting a door in that wall. We got one over here. We don't have one over here. So every Monday, this maintenance crew has to open up a hunk of that wall so there's a passageway. And uh, when that's not, that's the only way to get to the other part or you got to walk way around. So that door is used all the time. Well, you know how many times I've come through that door. I fling it open and there's some kind of formal meeting going in here, and I'm like, hey, you know, I pop through the door like an idiot whistling. Um, All of a sudden, a hush falls over me because I've walked into something, you know, stately. Well, that's the way we're supposed to look at this. We just don't go, oh, it is good to give thanks to the Lord. Oh, that's a lovely thought. Oh, I I like the Psalms. They're comforting. Oh, it's good to sing praises to your name almost high. Yay. We're We're supposed to go, whoa, 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 wait a second. Let's get anchored here. It is good to give thanks to Yahweh, to sing praises to your name, oh, most high. It's not a static feeling. Uh, it's, it's not an emptying of your mind, this thing, worship. Oh, let me just empty your, my mind. Nowhere in the Bible does it ever say that, nor is it a euphoric feeling where you have a frenzied spirit. I got to get stoked where my spirit is, is stoked within me in, in an ecstatic state. That's not what worship is. It is good to give thanks. Here's where we start, to the Lord, to the one who is most high. This hush falls over our souls. Uh, And by the way, it it gets specific. There's much much to learn here. It gets specific. Um, What are we supposed to do? Well, um, it says we're supposed to give thanks. It says we're supposed to sing praises, singing. Interesting. We're supposed to declare your steadfast love in the morning. I mean... Uh, that's not, to, that's not to, uh, to, to, to limit our worship to steadfast love and, uh, and, and faithfulness, faithfulness uh, by night, steadfast love and faithfulness, but, but, but at least we see attributes here, don't we? We see specific things about the person of God, and you've heard me say this many, many times. We feel deeply when we think deeply. I just don't love my wife I think about specifics about my wife, and I love her. I just don't, 
and I'm feeling inside my heart that running up in front of me, bleh. No, I think about specific things about God, about how kind he's been to me in this instance, in this instance, in this instance, and the way he's behaved throughout his scriptures, and the way that has meaning on my life. I think deeply, and all of a sudden, man, I feel deeply. That's what worship is. Uh, Look at verse 3. We do it to the music of the lute and the harp, to the melody of the lyre. Now, you know what those are? Those were the musical instruments of the day. All right? So they just happen to be the musical instruments of the day. We have musical instruments of our day. So we use the musical instruments of our day and, and, and worship God. By the way, if you've ever been on a mission trip, if you go anywhere in the world and there are no instruments except one, you know what it is? Every single time, anywhere in the world, you know what it is? A drum. Anywhere in the world, go on a mission trip. If they have no other instruments, the one thing they have is a drum. Because it's meter, it's math, it's order. Um, All to say, you use the musical instruments at hand and uh, you make music to the Lord. And uh, that's refreshing, I bet, for your soul, isn't it, Lee? I mean, it's quite scriptural and it seems to be mandated. Um, So use those things and use those instruments and be joyous. Uh, Be contemplative, be somber, be celebratory. Uh, Be slow, be fast, be stately, get funky. But use the instruments of the day and and praise God objectively for specific things, his person, what he's done. All right, application for your life. I got two of them. Uh, The first one is this. Uh, I'm the worship leader and I get all kinds of crazy catalogs. I've told you that before. I get all kinds of weird like, uh, you know, every kind of weird little Catholic gizmo you could ever imagine from you know, candles with Mary on it to robes and cups and goblets and gold chalices and stuff. I mean, I I get catalogs with all kinds of theatrical supplies and sound systems and all that stuff. Well, as I do that, especially like the sound reinforcement stuff, as you flip through the sound reinforcement catalogs and they have these glamorous ads with the fog and the laser lights and everything, you know, blue and purple and all that, they'll have like screens like this uh, in the background and it always cracks me up. I, 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 always, I always pinch in and look at them uh, to see what's up there. And they're always, I, well, never, I shouldn't say always, but almost always. I've never seen, I've never seen, I've never seen one that's, that's, that's as concise as I would want it to be. But they're like these generic statements. Like, I want the beauty of you. Okay, well, that's a fine thing. That's fine. That's fine to address God and say, I want the beauty of you. But what the heck does that mean? (laughs) I want the beauty of you. Or it's things like, you are all I want. That's fine. Those are simple expressions of the heart. Nothing wrong with that. But I'm saying, if that's your diet, if that's all you got, then you're eating sugar donuts all day long. Um, We'll see the basis of high emotion in our next point. High emotion. Good. Um, but all of that stuff is housed in a framework of who God is. It is good to give thanks to the Lord. What makes it good? It is to the Lord. It is to the Most High. It is specific things about the Most High. And what are we supposed to be doing? We're supposed to be thanking, praising, declaring, singing. I'm not making those up. They're right off the pages of the Scriptures. Um, all right, second application 
Music, ladies and gentlemen, sticks to your soul. Um, it's a confession. You know, um, I talked to somebody a couple months ago, and they were saying, oh, you know, with my dad and his dementia and all that, I, I, you run into other people who have parents and friends who are doing in similar situations, and, and somebody was telling me about a grandma or somebody had Alzheimer's, and uh, she, didn't know who the, she didn't know who anybody is. And uh, she doesn't know where she is, and she's very confused. But you know what she does know? The songs she grew up with in church. <laughs> Isn't that something? She doesn't know who the heck her children are. But she knows the songs she grew up with in church. You know why? Because art, music, sticks content to the core of your humanity like nothing else. You know, you walk into a church and you go, okay. I like this church, and uh, they have many things to offer. So what do we have that they have to offer? they got the children in the ministry, and they've got the mm, and they got this, and they got the sports, and the, and the, and the music, and, blah, 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 blah. and people, people tend to think there's church, and you got all these legs of church, and uh, worship is one of them. Friend, worship isn't one of them. Worship, and I'm not just saying that because I'm the worship leader, and I'm trying to you know, jack up my, my job description. I'm saying worship isn't like all the other stuff. Worship is the thing. Worship is it. That's why, that's why we do it out there every single time. Worship is it. It's not just another little sliver of what happens at a church. It is the thing. It's not just another aspect. And I'll close with this. John Piper, on this point. John Piper said this a few years ago. He said, congregational singing saved my marriage. Now, isn't that curious? Why would, it, why would he say that? You know why? Because when you have a big fat fight in the car on the way to church and your wife is mad and you're mad and your kids are horrible uh, and they're off at their thing and it was just a choppy start to the day and you come in and you plop down, all of a sudden, truth, declarative truth. And your wife stands there and says, I affirm and believe that. And you stand there and you say, I affirm and believe that. What does it do? It takes your hearts and humbles them. And, and you, like John Piper, can look at your spouse and go, you know what? <laughs> I'm under this <laughs> authority. And uh, it, it's, a, it's a confession that we all say together, that we all believe together. All right. Second point. We really got to step on the gas. Binary belief systems. Um, verses uh, four and five. It says, um, uh, for you, O Lord, have made me uh, glad by your work. Oh, excuse me. For you, O Lord, have made me glad by your work. At the works of your hands, I will sing for joy. How great are your works, O Lord. Your thoughts are very deep. Um, Now, that's another thing to consider in worship, isn't it? That the Lord has made us. O Lord, you have made me. So we worship a God for who he is, uh, as in our first point. We worship God. Uh, God for what he has done here. He made us. It goes on to say in verse 4 and following, at the works of your hands, I sing for joy. How great are your works, O Lord. Um, if you would just flip ahead of just a page to Psalm 96, look at, verse Psalm, look at Psalm 96, verse 7. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. 
I mean, that's how we're supposed to look at the things that have been made, ladies and gentlemen. It says in our passage here, oh, how great are your works, O Lord. Um, You have made me glad by your work. The works of your hands I sing for joy. We observe the world at large and we go, wow, I know my maker. And what I want is like what we see in 96, Psalm 96. I want to ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. And so isn't it an amazing thing? Um, The people of God get to go through life and say, I know the maker of that. I know the maker of that. I know the sustainer of this. These beautiful mountain valleys, I know the God who made that, and he made me too, and he sent the Savior to win me. It's amazing, isn't it? Um, Now, those things said, look at the the binary shape being set up here. In verse 5, it says, all the gods of the peoples... Oh, excuse me, wrong. Let me get back here. Um, Verse 5, how great are your works, O Lord... Now see that versus this in verses 6 and 7. The stupid man (laughs) cannot know. The fool cannot understand. Um, You know, I was talking to my brother-in-law, my Bellevue brother-in-law, on a day after uh, Thanksgiving we were at their house. You know, my brother-in-law is on staff at Bellevue. He's been there for years and years and years. Joe Jernigan, anybody who's been to Bellevue, he's Joe Jernigan. Anyway, I was saying, somebody said something like, we were building a campfire and roasting marshmallows and doing s'mores, and somebody said the word stupid, and I said, hey, I'm in Psalm 92 Sunday, and uh, the word stupid's in there, and he said, oh, man, he said, I got called out by some lady for using stupid from the pulpit. Um, she came up, and she said, we don't say stupid in our house, blah, 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 and uh, I'm like, well, you know, it's right here. The stupid man cannot know, and we go, ooh, well, that's a bad word. We don't say it in our house. Well, go ahead and start. Um, the stupid man cannot know. The fool cannot understand this. That though the wicked sprout like grass and all even do is flourish, they are doomed to destruction forever. Folks, when we look at things that have been made, we do not merely wonder, which is philosophy. We do not, not, merely, we do not merely catalog, which is science. We do not merely meditate upon, which is the arts. As Christians, we get to think he is our maker. But notice the contrast, verses 6 and 7. The stupid man cannot know. Fool cannot understand. The wicked sprout like grass. Evildoers flourish. They're doomed. Now, let me show you a parallelism, and I've got a few of these today. And man, I've got to hurry. Um, look at this. When you see stuff like this in the scriptures, you, you can see there's a subject. Um, when, you, you know, when, you whip down the, when you whip down the verses like this, especially in, in Hebrew poetry, especially in the Psalms, a lot of times you'll see parallelisms, and you can kind of break them, and you go, okay, the stupid man is the same, as, same guy as the fool, who is the same guy as the wicked, who is the same as the evildoers, and they have an end. Um, they cannot know. They cannot understand. They're doomed to uh, uh, destruction forever. Uh, they sprout like grass. They flourish. I mean, it's just a cool parallelism built in, and there's lots of meaning if you just stop for 15 minutes and ponder that over a cup of coffee in prayer. Um, when you see a parallelism like that, it is, it is rich indeed. All right, um, closing on this point. Um, uh, um, application, the gospel. Friends, there, there's a sentence for the evildoers. They're doomed to destruction, and they cannot see. Why can some see? It is because God sent a Savior to deliberately win souls. 
to, to, to bring people into fellowship with himself. If you can see, ladies and gentlemen, it is because God has granted life. And if you can see, you know what you believe? You believe that Jesus is the Christ, that he is the one way to the Father. And I'm telling you, having a living Lord makes all the difference. Knowing your maker personally makes all the difference. All right, third point. Uh, we want what God wants. Uh, verses 8 and 9. But you, O Lord, are on high forever. For behold, your enemies, O Lord. For behold, your enemies shall perish. All evildoers shall be scattered. But you've exalted my horn like the wild ox. You've poured over me fresh oil. My eyes have seen the downfall of my enemies. My ears have heard the doom of my evil assailants. What, what are these verses about? These verses are about God being in charge. Um, the defeat of God's enemies. And in short, man, I gotta, I'm, I'm, too, I'm behind. In short, let me show you this more parallelism. For behold, for behold, watch. Your enemies, O Lord, your enemies shall perish. All evildoers shall be scattered. That's a parallelism that's kind of a crescendo. It takes you through a higher meaning. The point is this. Um, notice how seamlessly the, the dots are connected between God's victory and the psalmist's victory. The point is this. We want what God wants. His victories, his victories are our victories. Um, uh, we want him to be ascribed glory, and our, and, and our hearts are delighted in it, and he receives that glory. Um, it's a psalm of victory. Um, oh, I, I'll tell you this one story. Uh, a, a seminary professor that I had, my favorite guy ever, had a student who was from Uganda, and if you remember Idi Amin, remember Idi Amin? Uh, Idi Amin uh, was a terrible dictator in Uganda and killed about a half a million people and uh, was just horrible and um, oppressed the people and just brutally ruled. Anyway, the seminary professor um, had the student from Uganda and the other kid graduates and he leaves. And about two years later, the seminary professor gets a phone call out of the blue. Hello? And all he hears is, Idi Amin is dead. <laughs> and it was celebratory that this horrible dictator had died. And he, and he wanted to call a seminary professor who was, who was anchored enough in the scriptures to say, ah, evildoers, they're punished. Uh, and God is in control and his victory is ours. All right, last point is this, um, the healthier you. Um, I'll, I'll go super quick here. I'm not even going to use my notes. Um, the righteous flourish like a palm tree. They grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They're planted in the house of the Lord. This is uh, verse 13. They flourish in the courts of our God. Here it is. They still bear fruit in old age. They are ever full of sap and green. Well, don't you want that? People who dye your hair. Don't you want that? People who work out. Don't you want that? People who take vitamins and uh, torture everybody with your essential oils. I mean, don't you want that? I mean, you want to bear fruit in old age. You want to be full of sap and green. Don't we want to flourish and be healthy? Yes, we do. What does it mean? Here's what it means. To declare that the Lord is upright, that he is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in him. You want to be green? You want to be full of sap? You want to be full of life, verve? 
that what you want? You want to be verdant? This is what it looks like. I get to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock. There is no unrighteousness in him. You want health in every aspect of your life? That's it. That's the foundation. And with that, we must close in prayer. Let us pray. Lord, I just thank you so much for, we thank you for your word, for the veracity of it. We thank you, Lord, that you have uh, indeed assembled us and put a fire in us and, and uh, opened our eyes that we would see what is true. And I, I pray, Lord, that I have not stumbled into the way of um, the, the glories of this psalm. Uh, I pray, Lord, that we would all walk out of here with a higher view of you, the most high, Yahweh, the one true God. And I pray, Lord, that uh, we would be full of sap, full of health, that we would be, would be green, uh, and that would uh, manifest itself in our declaring that you are who you are. And we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you, everybody, very much. Appreciate you. See you next week.